Hi, Chini Amaji family. Welcome back to the podcast. We had the privilege of hosting Paul Kimani, co-founder and CEO at WorkPay. His story is one that you will not only learn from, but also be greatly motivated. He is a perfect example of beating all odds to achieve your goals. Paul was able to use all his skills to create his brand and grow as an entrepreneur. Having started his entrepreneur journey at an early age and growing all the way to owning a company, he articulates his experience from market research, customer relations, all the way to fundraising perfectly. Enjoy the podcast. How you guys doing, Chinemaji family? This is uh, your host, Mark Karaki. Uh, super excited to bring you yet another episode of the podcast. And this week, we have uh, a very exciting guest. Every week is an exciting guest. Uh, but this week, particularly, we have a, a gentleman who, uh, in my view, is one of the uh, most um, capable founders, local founders, that I have uh, had the privilege of of uh, of meeting and observing uh, how they execute. So this week we have Paul Kimani, who's a co-founder and CEO at WorkPay. Uh, Paul, how are you doing? Thanks. Um, well, Mark, uh, thanks so much for having me. I think this has been long coming. Uh, I'm happy eventually I'm here. Awesome. And Paul, I, I know you guys are in the, it's a very interesting space in which you operate, which uh, I, uh, before I kind of go even into how uh, how I see it, I'll try and describe it, and then you will clean it up for me, if you don't mind. But you guys are in the HR payroll fintech space, is how I would describe that whole situation in which you're operating. How right or how wrong am I about describing what Workday does? Uh, you're 100% right. Uh, the way we like to put it is that uh, we are helping businesses to manage and pay their employees on time. So what we are doing is that we are providing them tools to manage their employees end-to-end. Uh, that would be time managing their payrolls, everything that comes with HR processes like leaves, managing employees' data, and also helping them to uh, process the payments to employees' banks and mobile wallets. So you are right. We are, we are sitting at the uh, intersection of HR and fintech. Uh, so I'll just make a full disclosure here. This is a, a market space that I had been looking at and we are, we are building into at Impact Africa. And you and I have had that conversation before. It's a huge market <laughs> opportunity. And so I had seen, it's so crazy that I had seen that opportunity a year before you and I connected, which is, I think we connected maybe six months ago when we, when we encountered each other through an introduction. But this particular space is, is something that we are building into at, at Impact Africa. So we will be partners, we'll be collaborators, we'll be competitors. So let me just put that out there. <laughs> before anybody says, oh, you got somebody on your podcast and then you, you, you stole the idea. You know, people here think, <laughs> I, I get you, Mark, and I think we have had this conversation before, uh, and I've told, and we are actually uh, also, full disclosure, we are even looking at ways that we can collaborate and work together, so uh, bring it on. Yeah, that's, 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 that's how we all get better, right? Yeah. Fundamentally, it's, it's you know, uh, and the way I see that space in which you guys are already operating and what we're building into, I mean, shit. Like every single business has those needs, right? Fundamentally, right? Any any yeah. business of any of any how how do I call it of any meaningful small size, from small to even you know what I'm saying, from small enough, right? Has has those needs. Yeah, it's, so, at the end of the day, it's it's about uh, how you manage and uh, handle your employees. So even if you are a company of one person, uh, that means you are the employee to that company. How do you manage all elements of uh, your payments from taxes? Uh, how do you manage expenses that are employee related? So 
uh, yeah, it's any company uh, from small to big, but of course, at the end of the day, you have to start from somewhere uh, in how do you want to tackle the big problem. Otherwise, you cannot approach it like the big problem it is. It has to be bits by bits. Definitely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your journey, right? Your background, where did you go to high school, education, uh, and then how did you uh, move into the entrepreneurship yeah. uh, experience? If you, if you take us through that, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. It, it has been an ex- uh, interesting journey. So uh, from a background, education background point of view, uh, I'm a trained electrical and electronics engineer uh, from the University of Nairobi. Uh, I grew up in a small town called Nyahururu. Uh, it's in the outskirts of, actually, the outskirts of Nyahururu. Uh, it's at the border of between uh, former Rift Valley and Central Kenya. Actually, part of the town is in Rift Valley, another part is in Central Kenya. So, mm-hmm. uh, just like many people around that area, my parents, of course, were substance farmers. Uh, so, we were living on the little amount of money that we are making from our farm, but mostly we are farming for food. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. whatever was remaining is what would se- they would sell and pay uh, for our school fees, uh, buy us uh, essential things and those kind of things. So uh, growing up in such a, an environment, uh, most kids, me included, have one mission. Uh, you need to go to school, work so hard, become a pilot or an engineer. You to become a pilot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, many, how many pilots do we have from that? From, from the room? <laughs> I'm curious. I, I know one. <laughs> you know one. So, so, you, so your hypothesis is, is proven by that one. Awesome. Yeah. So we, we, yeah, want, so we, one made it out. we wanted to become a pilot or an engineer. And the, the reason is simple. We wanted to run out of mm-hmm. poverty. And uh when we were growing, we were growing up, we, we knew that people who are making money are they are either pilots or they're engineers. So at least I know at least I know two engineers. So uh, interestingly, one of the engineers is also the pilot. So interesting. Uh, oh, he, he actually spread his wings very wide. I, I'm gonna make it one way or the other. <laughs> so and then of course uh, the other engineer is actually a very close neighbor of ours, and actually he's the one who. Uh, made me make the the shift to get into engineering. He's a mechanical engineer, but for me, I went to uh, electrical engineering. The reason I I went to electrical engineering is that I was so passionate to be an engineer, uh, but I wanted Mm. to do an engineering that is computer-related. By then, I could not get enough information. And uh, and then key thing uh, that was the tipping point for me to make the decision, I had to be at the University of Nairobi. So Mm. I, I would have done any other course, but be at the University of Nairobi. So that, that was the key thing that, uh, that made me change that. So uh, why, why did you have to be at the University of Nairobi? Just, uh, is there any specific reason or you just, it just was at the place you wanted to be? I, I think I wanted to be at the most prestigious university in Kenya. And I believe the University of Nairobi is. Uh, I still do that. So right. I wanted to be there. Awesome. Yeah. So after after joining the University of Nairobi, or just before joining the University of Nairobi, because again I worked so hard in school, because of the trying to run off out of poverty, I joined Equity Bank pre-university program just before joining the university. This is the program where they they used to take. I think they still do that. Take the top candidates in every county. By then there were districts, so. I was the top student in KCSE in 2006 from uh, Laikipia district. Uh, that is now Laikipia County. So I joined the program for two years. Um, 
uh, to work in the bank. It was the first time I actually entered to a banking hall. Even the whole time that I was in high school, I never got a chance to uh, to get through a banking hall. Because I had a lot of, most of my payments were, were, were done by sponsors. I had a lot of CD, CDF paying for my high school education. So uh, believe me or not, I did four years without having a chance to go to a bank to pay my school fees. So when, when, I, when I joined the bank, uh, I was actually wondering, am I going to be a cleaner? Am I going to be the person <laughs> serving people tea? So like I was like, I would never touch. What are, what are, my, what are my skills that can translate into this environment? <laughs> exactly. And uh, <laughs> it was a really interesting uh, time and even thinking about how I'm going to go. Uh, by then, I lost my parents uh, when I was, uh, I just did my uh, class eight uh, exam. So uh, by then I was living with my uncle. And I remember when we went to uh, to the market with my uncle to buy, uh, we, of course, we went to the secondhand clothes. So we would buy a trouser, try to match it with a coat so that it looks like a suit so that when I go to the mm-hmm. bank, I'll be having a suit. And it was like, it was an experience that I think that I did, wow. I'll never forget uh, in terms of especially that process when I was trying to join. So when I joined the bank, yeah. uh, interestingly, I was thrown uh, into the thick of things. I really um, happy because I went through that process. I actually became a, 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 what they used to call a cashier. I think these days they are called a, a front relationship officers. So I became a cashier just like anyone else. We came to Nairobi. Uh, we were trained. Uh, we were commissioned by the the late George Saitoti, he was actually by then the uh, Minister of Education. So I had a chance to shake his hand. Like, again, another incident that uh, when you're that young, uh, you, you you keep to remember. Uh, and when I joined right. the bank, so after the training, uh, I was given my my box. Uh, the box is where money is, start serving customers. It was like, did that for two years. And it was like a very, um, an, an experience that you never forget because especially coming from where I was coming and in those two years we had right. a, we had an opportunity to uh, to meet James Mwangi Dr. James Mwangi the CEO uh, both, both at uh, personal capacity and and during events and the guy the guy was literally preaching to us about entrepreneurship like he was trying mm-hmm. to tell us that we were the top uh, in the country all of us were top in our counties we even had the guys who had topped the country in KCSC and Dr. Mwangi was just always telling us that there's another side to uh, just following, uh, uh, becoming a doctor, becoming an accountant. You can actually do entrepreneurship and actually that's where you, you'll be able to actually uh, effect change uh, in, the way, in a big way uh, that you are going to, to, to see. Um, right. and, and that threw some spanner uh, into the works in my thinking. I remember all this time mm. I, I wanted to be an engineer uh, make all that money and uh, run away from poverty. So that that, that really uh, made me start to think on what I, I really wanted to do. Remember, by then I had already gotten a letter to join the University of Nairobi as an ninja uh, to do engineering. So, but, but so your dream had come true. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my dream has come had come true. I I I, I got an A in my KCSC and then I applied for electrical engineering and I was on course. Uh, to add some engineer in my village, uh, some engineers in my village. <laughs> into Nyahururu, into the population there. So, so exactly. let me ask you this, like, you know, to get an A in KCSC, I mean, congratulations, that's a huge, huge deal. Um, it, it is definitely a testament to uh, to your talent and capabilities. It, it, just really quickly, if you could explain what it took. I mean, obviously, I don't know, just give us a sense of how you what were the challenges in terms of just preparing for that exam 
and how you went through it. Mm-hmm. Was there anything unique mm-hmm. about that experience that, wow. you know, escaping from poverty? I mean, how did you do that? Wow, uh, it, it, it was tough. It, it was tough, Mark. Uh, so what, what, what happened is that uh, um, when my parents passed on just after I did, my mom actually passed on when I just I did uh, my KCPE, uh, that was in uh, the year 2001. So I could not join high school because I did not have money. So I actually uh, started uh, some course to be a tailor. So uh, one of my mm-hmm. neighbors who had a tailoring shop uh, and enrolled me to uh, to uh, do tailoring with him. Uh, so mm-hmm. when I was doing that tailoring, uh, it was in our shopping center now in our village. Uh, my former headmaster uh, just passed by and uh, he found me doing that and he asked me, uh, what, what are your plans? And mind you, I was the top uh, candidate in our primary mm-hmm. school then. Uh, so I was the top wow. guy. Uh, I could not, uh, there was no way I was going to go to uh, secondary school unless I got a sponsor because my uncle was not able to do so. So when he, he passed right. by and he asked me, well, what are you doing and what are you thinking? Uh, because, you know, uh, being that shy boy, I told him, we are working on something. But it, the way he looked at me, he could tell me <laughs> there was no way this guy is going to, be, mm. to, to go to school. Remember, I was already halfway uh, in my tailoring course. So the guy, uh, wow. the guy, the guy came back the following day and he told me, I, I want you to come back to school tomorrow and I want you to repeat class eight. I literally laughed at him. <laughs> I was a top guy, and you want me to go back and do what? Yeah. That sounds funny in, in, a, yeah. in a sad way. But uh-huh. yeah, I literally laughed at him, and uh, and I was like, "Are you out of your mind? Do you want me to go to class?" Right. I, I, I have always been big uh, with my peer when 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 I put in my peers up. So I, I was even bigger. So I was imagining myself ah. going back to school. Wow. So yeah. I went back home and, and told, like, after dinner, you know, the way around the fireplace. And I was like, I wanted to give this funny story that happened to me. And I was like, I was, right. I was telling my uncle, hey, today I met so-and-so. And do you know what he was telling me? He was telling me to repeat class eight. And I, like, finished that with a very la- loud laughter. And my, <laughs> my, my, you are the only one laughing. Exactly. <laughs> and what shocked me is that my uncle was so calm and he was like, what did you tell him? And I was like, This sounds like a setup. Maybe they had already talked already. <laughs> I asked him later. I asked him later, and he told me that they had not spoken. And uh, okay, they were just in the same mindset, I guess. Exactly. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Do you mean you are on his mm. side also?" And, mm. and that's when it sank in me, and I was like, "Probably this is the only shot that I have uh, for me wow. to be, to be able to uh, to to be the engineer that I've always wanted to be." So, uh, mm-hmm. to cut the long story short, a week down the line, I was back in class eight. I actually uh, got to school when they were doing wow. the, the, you know, the index number exam. I'm sure you, you have heard about it, where you are given index, right. num- index numbers. Right. So I went there on Monday. We sat for the exam. Uh, I was, of course, number one. Uh, <laughs> I've done this before. I can do this with my eyes closed, hands tied behind my back. Exactly. That number ready. <laughs> Wow, so, man, that is so. I gotta say, like that is that that shows a certain um, the ability to actually swallow your pride and actually go back there. It's a certain level of I don't know consciousness, wisdom, something about you 
that most people would not be able to do that. I've got to say that, to be honest. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think also it's true. And the acceptance that you have, if you really want something, uh, you have to do whatever it takes for you to do it. Uh, and, and I think that that's what mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pushed me a lot in life. I, I, how bad did I want to go to high school? And uh, would it mean even, like you're saying, selling my pride and going back? Like I remember when I went back, uh, every, everyone in school was shocked. Remember when you top in, right. in class eight in the village? So that, those things are stuck on the notice board. So everyone knew mm. who, who the top guy was. And here is the guy again uh, repeating uh, uh, class eight. And then I was there and then I did a whole one year. So I again, at the end of the, uh, the, the, the year I topped, I got 404 out of 500, mm-hmm. out of 500. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, so the the, 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 the the agreement or the promise by the headmaster was that they were to help me to join Starahe Boys. Like I, the agreement mm-hmm. was that just give us 400, mm-hmm. just give us 400, mm-hmm. we are going to make sure that he joins Starahe Boys. That like was a big motivation. Uh, like that, that, by the way, that is by, that is my alma mater. Yeah. I actually went there. Wow. I missed it. <laughs> oh, you, you didn't make it in. <laughs> I didn't, man. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, after something happened that year, so there was a, the, the teachers went on strike uh, when we are down uh, uh, in second term. I think it's one of the longest strikes the teachers ever went through. I think it took, mm-hmm. like, took us like about three months. Uh, I, I dropped. I remember by the, before they went for, uh, for, for the strike, I was hitting about 440 out of 500. Uh, that thing really mm-hmm. hit me uh, in terms of uh, did I do this all for nothing? Like, you know, there's still mm. that doubts that you always have when you're doing something. And uh, when they came back, mm. I was I was way low, around 400. When they came back, we did KCP, I got 404. I was admitted in a school in Nyahururu called Ndururumo High School. Uh, that's where I got mm-hmm. the, the letter to join. So uh, I missed mm. I missed Tarehe by the cutoff point in that year was 420. And I had 404, yeah. so I missed with 16. And, you know, I like the integrity of the school. I hope it's still there uh, even today. Uh, I like the. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I think I, I see it the other way around. I think Sarah missed out on you, but yeah. <laughs> uh, because of this one, what I know who you are and what you're doing, uh, you'd have been an amazing uh, addition to that uh, to that community. But yeah, I mean, so you you kind of went. Wow, this story is just more than I had anticipated. Just kind of, I, I knew there were some challenging experiences you had gone through. I did not expect it to be of that of that level. So thanks for sharing that. And then let's maybe fast forward yeah. to kind of now high school. You've done the college, high school, Memaliza campus, um, and then now you are in the real world, right? Now, what was that transition like, now, Dr. Um, the CEO of uh, Equity had planted that seed in you. Now, where as you are emerging out of campus, how did you see the world in terms of your opportunity options? Yeah, so uh, I, I think I'll start by when I joined campus. So I, when I got the bug that I, I wanted to be uh, to do some entrepreneurship, uh, what I did is that uh, the first thing I did when I joined campus, I was looking for where can I make an extra coin. So one of the things that I did is that uh, I bought a mm-hmm. laptop uh, after you know I've been working with the bank, so I had some few coins. You got so, some money. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> I bought a laptop. Yeah. I bought a printer three in one, that small printer mm-hmm. that could scan. 
print and photocopy and i and i, right. and I bought a safari modem but i think I'm, I'm, i could be the first people to get safari modem then i think we were buying it mm-hmm. more than 10000 uh, 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 and then it was wow. it was i think on 2g or whatever it was too slow mm-hmm. but it was working for us so what i did with that is that i was uh, i could help people to do print uh, in campus i could help people to i remember i made a lot of money with people uh, printing for people the help forms where you just can't write, mm-hmm. write your ID number, come sleep it under my room, and then I go, uh, I would do this from 11 p.m. up to midnight, print everything, mm-hmm. then you just come mm-hmm. pick it in the morning. So I did that like mm-hmm. the whole, so I did a lot of stuff in campus. I sold computers, laptops, uh, internet modems, uh, getting them from downtown in Nairobi and taking them to uh, the university to sell. I think that's part of why wow. I wanted to be in, in, the, in the University of Nairobi, just to be next to the city. So when I was Right. When I was uh, engineering takes five years. Uh, so when I was in fourth year, uh, this was in 2012, this one we were having the first uh, election under the new constitution in the country. Uh, my, uh, we, we founded a company that we call Kenya Aspirants. Uh, just to mm-hmm. backtrack a little bit, when I was in second year, I learned how to code mm-hmm. so I could code by then. So uh, we built mm-hmm. a platform uh, called Kenya Aspirants. The idea was that uh, because so many technocrats were joining politics under the uh, the new constitutions, remember we had an expanded government, both the uh, local governments and also the national government. So most people were, crazy, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like there are so many people who wanted to join. Most of them were abroad, US, and those kind of things. So we built a platform where we could showcase all of them, uh, where you just put your profile, say what you have done, say where you want to buy, what you want to do for people, then you would pay for that. Mm. for that for us to be able to put uh, you on the, on the, on the platform. Uh, it was crazy. Mm. We did that uh, for more than a year, 2012 to 2013. At some point, I had to uh, actually uh, had to quit uh, one year in, in, uh, in, uh, in campus uh, for me to, to mm. be able to concentrate on this. I think looking back... So, so could, you, could you describe what you mean by crazy? Like how much, put some numbers around that. What, 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 what did you guys see? What happened? So... Wow, it, it, I, I think, uh, as I, I say, looking back, I think it's one of the hardest years that I, I, I ever had. So what, what it did is that uh, um, we, had, um, uh, we, we had about uh, 2,000 people. Uh, uh, these are people who are vying on our platform. Uh, I think I've had uh, um, meetings with most of these people you see right now, Mulchumba, Murkomen. Uh, people like mm-hmm. uh, most of the senators, they were trying out this thing and are coming out uh, uh, from uh, their, their professional jobs trying to get into politics. So we had a lot of meetings with them and, and doing politics business is one of the craziest things that you ever do. They don't want to pay you their bank transfer. Politics business. So doing business with politicians is what you mean. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. They, like these are the people who, uh, you, they, they like your service. They don't want to pay you via cash. Uh, they don't want to pay you via electronics means they want to give you cash you have to meet them at weird hours like <laughs> like, like 9 p.m <laughs> mafia style <laughs> someone tells you wow. to pick money from them at 5 a.m in the morning i mean it's it was wow. it, it, it was really did, did you feel a little bit insecure and safe with this yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one guy that I would I would like to mention this because, here because of it's uh, going to be a public uh, in public. So there's one guy who called me in his office, and uh, he just told me I he like 
probably can share with you offline. Like he's a very huge guy. He just shook my hand and my body started trembling. And he told me, I like you, what you guys are doing. Then he opens his, his drawer and gives me 200,000 cash and tells me, go. And I'll tell you when to put me on your profile. And I never... <laughs> I never had a I never heard from that guy again. Uh, the number he had called me with never goes through. And that was the <laughs> Oh man, that is so crazy. What an experience. <laughs> You're like, I didn't sign up for all this. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. So, so mm-hmm. you see when someone does that, you don't know what is what he's going to do next. You don't know that he's going to call you next time and tell you, remove my, all everyone on the platform. I want to be the, the only one. Only. Yes. <laughs> Well, what a funny story. So this is the kind of business you can't even project where you're, how you're, how you're growth. You, you can't even do any strategy. You can <laughs> So we did that for one year. And that, that's what I also explains why you, I could not be at school doing that. Because I imagine someone is, wants me to meet them at 10, uh, 10 p.m. Someone else wants me to meet them at 5 a.m. How can I be even at school uh, wow. when, when I'm doing that? So I, after I did that for one year, of course, it was not, we did not have, as you're putting it, it was hard for you even to predict what you're what you going to do. After it, so after elections were over, we did not have even a strategy how to survive after elections, and of course, there was uh, no business after elections. We started <laughs> to shut right? down. Yeah, <laughs> we had to shut down. So I went back to school, finished my one year, graduated. After graduating, went and worked as a project manager uh, uh, for an uh, air conditioning company here in Nairobi in the in industry area. Uh, we were working mostly with banks and uh, both in Kenya and Rwanda. And after exactly one year, I quit. Uh, another incident mm-hmm. happened, happened in my life. Uh, I by then had married, I had a wife. We got our first baby. Mm-hmm. We lost the baby due, uh, due to bad, oh, daddy, bad complications. Mm-hmm. And that was a defining moment mm-hmm. to me. And like, uh, I had always wanted to quit. I remember we used to write my resignation letter with my wife in the evening. And uh, mm-hmm. I would tell him Aha, that I'm going to, the, uh, to hand it over in the morning. And I would print it and throw it in the dustbin. But when that happened, <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. This is very interesting. So you always had planned to quit. Yes. And it was a family like yeah. decision, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what? Why did you want to quit? What was the reason? I, I was not feeling fulfilled. Uh, it, it was a company that uh, it, it was a big company that had formed as another smaller company uh, to do air conditioning. So they are mostly they an engineering company. So they do plumbing and those kind of things. So I was like sort of building another company inside the big company. So the promise okay. that I was given when I was joining is that I'm going to run with that. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to help. Uh, the, the business yep. so but after working uh six down six months down the line the bureaucracy of the big company eat into me i had um, I had an office away from the big company i was brought back to the uh to the, to the mothership uh, to the, exactly <laughs> yeah. and then now of course i became like even reporting to employees in the other company so um, i'm not about Ooh, to move politics exactly, Ooh, exactly. <laughs> i'm not about to move actually, not that was actually a good thing for you i guess in the long run 
Definitely, definitely. Actually, I give examples to my employees about that and tell, I give them example and tell them if you have worked in, with so-and-so, uh, you'd understand some of these things that I tell you and uh, you'd see uh, what I mean. So, uh, mm. so, so I shared that uh, with my wife and I told her that, uh, of course, at the end of the day, uh, the bulk of entrepreneurship was pushing me. And uh, every time, always when I was doing this, even doing my project management as an engineer, I still had my side hustle of building websites and uh, uh, and small applications for for businesses that I had uh, started working with uh, when I was in campus. I was building those kind of things. Uh, I still had a mm-hmm. few relationships from my Kenya aspirant business, so I was still mm-hmm. doing some few mm-hmm. things for them. So I still had my side hustle running. So I knew I had a, a place that I could fall back to. So, right. so when when uh, when that incident happened, like the the other thing was what what's the worst that can happen than this? Because when, when you're expecting a new child, one of the things that keeps you from, you, you cannot make a major decision is that, especially the first child is that you don't know how the situation is going to change you. You don't know how right. the situation is going to affect you as a family. So, and of course the biggest scare is the financial bit. So I don't want to right. my job where I'm expecting to have a baby. How am I going to feed the right. baby? But when that happened, is what I was like. Now there's nothing worse than this can happen. So I, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. yeah. So I quit. Uh, took a sabbatical of three months. In those three months, I just moved around, checked around with friends, those who are in business, uh, those who are in professional life, just trying to understand what they are doing. And then now, mm-hmm. uh, in those three months, you know, the the shilling started declining in my bank, and I was like, man. You need to start working. You need to start need to working. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you need to start working. So um, that, that's how I founded my my next uh, venture, which was a software consulting business. So mm-hmm. I just started uh, with the with the friends that I met when I was doing this. So it was more of a research of some kind. So I knew all those people who I would have approached for websites. I knew all those people who would have approached for some any kind of uh, software business that that I would do for them. So I drew up the list, shared with them, uh, uh, started doing that slowly by slowly. Uh, I added uh, one engineer because I now found that I could not do it. Uh, and then I think I'd mention here also, after doing this for about three months, uh, my co-founder joined me, uh, uh, Scott Jackson. So uh, I, we were with him in campus. He was also actually part of Kenya Aspirants. Uh, he was the one who was... Ah, <laughs> he was the one who was... You guys go way back. Yeah. So in the Kenya Aspirants, I remember he was the one who was in charge of our social media and digital marketing. He was the one who was doing the the... the there's Facebook pages for these uh, politicians and the like. So, so he joined me uh, in now in the consulting business. So we started doing it slowly by slowly. We were able to grow the team to about sixteen uh, in total. Uh, oh wow! So mm-hmm. uh, we did that for, and mostly these were our engineers. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the selling was still being done by me. I stopped uh, uh, coding, uh, and I no longer code even right now. So uh, we did that for about five years. Uh, and in that five years is that we worked with all kinds of business from small to big to government agencies and uh, to NGOs to financial institutions, mostly MFIs uh, and building off kinds of solutions from ERPs, um, websites, mobile applications, uh, integrations from uh, payments and the like. Uh, and that's how uh, uh, we were actually, we find ourselves where we are right now. So in 2017, mm-hmm. In 2017, uh, we started an in-house project uh, that we used to call Toza Plus. 
So Toza Plus mm -hmm. was basically a project that we uh, we realized that uh, we had so many requests from uh, our clients who needed uh, sort of uh, resource management solutions, could be managing their people, managing their finances, managing their clients. So what we did is that we, we decided instead of every time that a client needs this, uh, we are building it, why not just build a solution where they could subscribe uh, and then just use whatever they, they are doing. So we built uh, a sort of an ERP that had accounting, HR, and CRM uh, uh, in plan that was as an in-house project owned by AfriSoft. Uh, and then uh, mm -hmm. in 2018, uh, towards the end of 2018, now we, we now uh, are uh, now shifted, uh, shut down the consulting business and now moved full-time uh, to the project now. And then last year, uh, around June, we rebranded to uh, WorkPay, uh, now doing purely what we are doing right now, uh, helping businesses to manage payrolls and payments uh, to their employees. Thank you for taking your time and listening to the podcast. We love our listeners and have recently launched our website, chiniamaji.com, where you can sign up and have access to part two of this insightful episode where Paul dives more into WorkPay's journey. Thank you for your support and enjoy the rest of the podcast on our website.